Our text for this morning is Psalm 107, verses 1 through 9. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. And they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he satisfieth a longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Beloved, what are you thankful for this morning? Maybe you reflected together with your families or you will reflect later today what you're thankful for. How can we cultivate thankfulness to God for the blessings He has given to us. One way to do that is to reflect on His his loving kindness to us, both in providence and redemption. It's often God's dealings with us in the realm of providence that brings us straight into a reflection of how that providence has served our redemption, has served for our salvation, for those who are in Christ this morning. Psalm 107 serves that function, bringing us from providence into the realm of redemption, how in the extremity of the human condition, God brings deliverance, God brings salvation through temporal blessings. He often reminds us of who He is in His saving work. That every gift that He has given to us in the realm of His uh, gracious providence is designed to bring us to Himself. So that we would not consume these gifts simply because they are gifts, but that these gifts would serve as signposts to bring us to the giver, to point us to who God is. As I already mentioned, this psalm is structured In five sections, five ways in which God portrays to us His providence and redemption. Verses 1 through 9 give us the picture of the wanderer. Verses 10 through 16 give us the picture of the prisoner who is released from prison. 17 through 22 give us the picture of the fool. 23 through 32 give us the picture of the seafarer who is rescued. And the last verses give us a picture of this abundant fruitfulness that God supplies to those who are recipients of His loving kindness. The grace of God is pictured here in in ways that we can relate to, in ways that we can understand. Lively colors against the backdrop of human sin. It's a psalm that calls believers from the very outset to thanksgiving for providence and for redemption. 
It's a psalm that signals to the unbeliever this morning that God is a God of redemption, that the gifts that you have received that you are called to think about this Thanksgiving Day are designed by God in His fatherly hand to bring you to Himself, to bring you to His saving work in Jesus Christ, and ultimately to the place of thankfulness. And so this psalm is particularly fitting for today. It strikes a balance, doesn't it, between portraying humanity's misery, the deliverance that God provides, and also the thankfulness required for such deliverance, a a rubric that we're familiar with from the Heidelberg Catechism of misery, deliverance, and gratitude. And that's what we'll see in our text this morning as well. But these verses give us food for self-reflection. For believers, as you thank the Lord, as you look back and you reflect on what you once were, as you still see the remnants of what you once were living in your heart, what you wrestle with even today, battling for thankfulness against a thankless heart, this self-reflection, this sorrow for sin. Crying out to God in our need is balanced with this joy and thanksgiving for deliverance in Christ, the blessings that come to us in Christ, both the material and the spiritual blessings we've received in this past season. And so let's consider these words this morning under our theme, the thanksgiving of a satisfied soul. The thanksgiving of a satisfied soul. First of all, we want to consider their former roaming. This psalm calls to mind the wandering of the Israelites in the wilderness, but it does more than that, doesn't it? It pictures for us the wandering of every soul, every human heart, apart from God. It pictures the restlessness of the human heart, something I think that we can all relate to. We all face restlessness at one point in our lives or another. It pictures this roaming heart in several different ways. And as we consider this, I pray that it would hit home this morning. But this psalm, as it describes the experience of the wandering heart, would ring true in our own experience. And that we would be brought to God again for deliverance and in thanksgiving. It's only when we have a right estimation of our wandering heart that we will have a right estimation of the grace and the goodness of the Lord, and then a right and fitting response of praise and thanksgiving. And so our cultivation of thanksgiving this morning begins by considering who we are. We see the severity of the wandering heart. It's pictured in verse 2, where it says, Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. God has redeemed you, believer, from the hand of the enemy. Each one of us has wandered away from God and wandered willingly into the hands of the enemy. That's really the severity that's pictured here of this, this wandering heart. 
So much so that we've made friends with the enemy, haven't we? We, we are now in his clutches. Isn't that what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden? They wandered willingly into the, into the hand of the enemy. Kept in the hand of the enemy. But it is this hand of the enemy that the Lord redeems from, from the clutches of the enemy that God releases His children from. Those who believe in Him, He he releases them from that bondage of the enemy. An amazing thing to consider this morning as we contemplate who God is, as we thank God and praise God for who He is, is that His hand of redemption reaches straight into the hand of the enemy, straight into the jaws of the enemy and pulls us out of there. That is the grace of God that's pictured here over against the human condition of wandering straight into the hand of the enemy. The wanderer here in the text, he's roamed far and wide from the presence of God. He roams in every direction. Harsh forces displace the wanderer, force him out of his native country into the wastelands of foreign cultures and people calling to mind the wanderings of Israel in the wilderness. This is the effect of sin, isn't it? Displacement from the land and the place of promise. Again, it reminds us, doesn't it, of of the garden? Children, what did God place at the entrance of the garden? As a sword, a flaming sword facing in every direction. Humanity was driven from the garden because of sin, from the place of promise to wander in every direction. The flaming sores now barring access to the tree of life. Through Adam's sin, you and I are left to wander in every direction in the vain pursuit of finding rest. It's a sobering picture, isn't it? Of our wandering. And yet coupled with this and the truth of this psalm is the redemption of God reaches in every direction. Draws the wanderer back. There is no direction that is too far for God to reach this morning. But notice also the aimlessness of this wanderer in verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. They're wandering aimlessly. Isn't that true of you and me when we are walking in the world? Walking separate from God. The world is a waste howling wilderness, a desert with a a harsh climate that offers no relief or rest. The world draws with the promise of friends and companions, but the reality of this verse paints utter loneliness apart from God. The world offers no permanence for us this morning. That's the reality that's pictured here in this wanderer who's wandering in every direction. He doesn't find any city to dwell in. There's no settled resting place for them. When he thinks he's found his city, a place to find rest and relief from the searing heat 
of the world that only proves to be a mirage because he's, he's finding that place of refuge in, in all the wrong places. He continues to wander aimlessly. You see, that's what happens when we try to make this world our permanent address rather than heaven. The wanderer seeks to make his permanent address in this world. What this psalm is pointing out, that we have no permanent address in this world until we find our rest in God. And so this psalm counsels us to take our aimlessness of life and heart and bring back into focus who God is as the only Redeemer, as the only one who is that place of refuge, that place of strength, that place of permanent address. If that's not enough to convince us that the life of the wanderer is a life of futility, his life is marked by emptiness. There's a vacuum in such a life, isn't there? Believer, you knew what that once was like. And there's still that that temptation. There's still that old man that we contend with, that old wanderer that wants to wander away from God, that, that hunger and thirst that's always present there as we contend with sin. In verse 5, it's pictured for us. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Wandering in the desert with no food or drink. The picture of the world again that promises satisfaction but never, ever delivers on that promise. Living in the world, wandering in the world gives no spiritual sustenance. By focusing only on the things that God has given to us, the things themselves will bring us no satisfaction today. We can be thankful for them. But if our thankfulness does not bring us to God, our souls will remain faint and weak without life-giving nourishment. Beloved, do you recognize this wanderer this morning? This picture of the human heart arising out of the text this morning? For a believer, this is what you once were. This is what you have been delivered from. This is the reason for your praise and thanksgiving this morning. And yet you recognize, I trust, remnants of that wanderer within your heart. Still feeling the tug of the world. Still touched by its barrenness at different times in your life. Still battling the the enemy. Still longing for that permanent city that will come down from heaven. You know what it means to sing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Again, as we read the words of this psalm, as we see the wanderer pictured here, we are reminded that we have an ongoing need of God and His redemption. 
because we can't live apart from God and His redeeming love. You see, the temptation for Israel when they entered the promised land was that they would look at all the things they had received and they would be prone to forget God. They'd be prone to wander from God. God warned them expressly against that very thing. We live in times of fullness. We live in times of plenty. We have everything that our heart could desire from a human standpoint. There's that temptation to wander the temptation to forget God. But in all that fullness that we have of the things that we have received from God, if we forget that we are needy and dependent on God, we will wander. But here God reminds us of the essential thing of life. Our need of Him and His redemption to draw us back to Himself, to keep us close to Himself. So we cry out again to Him this morning, deliver me, O God, from from myself, from my own heart, from my sinfulness, from my temptation to wander, from my temptation to forget Thee. So the path to true thanksgiving begins here this morning. I'm dependent on God not just for His temporal blessings, but for His redemption this morning to deliver me from being a wanderer, to bring me into that union with Christ and to keep me there and the enjoyment of it. But there are some of you this morning who have not yet been rescued from this wandering way. Some of you enjoy wandering. Some of you are still in the world this morning as you sit here. Still in the clutches of the enemy, pray, I pray that you would see in these verses, that you would come to your senses, that you would cry out to God in repentance and faith, that you would come out of the desert, that you would recognize your hunger, that you would recognize your, your emptiness and ultimately your thanklessness. That you would see this morning in the words of Romans 1 that you are worshiping the creature rather than the creator. That you are taking all his gifts of providence and you are consuming them for yourself. Rather than allowing these gifts to lead you to God, the God who redeems. If you're wandering this morning, I urge you to return to the God who has given you all of these blessings to use these blessings this morning to bring you to the ultimate blessing of life in Christ. That's what this psalm signals to you this morning. There is redemption with God. There is a way back to God. The way to the tree of life has been opened through the blood of Christ. So don't let these gifts that you've received testify against you. Let them bring you in submission to God's way of salvation so that you can give thanks for His unspeakable gift, the unspeakable gift of His Son this morning. Come this morning and see how God redeems sinners just like you powerfully, compassionately, graciously, immediately, 
Come see His goodness, His faithfulness, His loving kindness, His mercy. Enjoying the song of, of the redeemed who thank God and praise Him for His goodness and for His redemption. Because that's what we see in our second thought, the full redemption of the wanderer. The path to satisfaction comes through a recognition of who we are by nature, but it also comes by receiving the full redemption of God this morning. What does a soul do as he realizes he is in such distress when they are in the hand of the enemy, when they are in the waste-howling wilderness of this world, when they don't have a permanent address, when they're wandering aimlessly and empty, dissatisfied with life? Verse 6, we read, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Friends, here's the solution for a dissatisfied heart, for a heart that is caught up in the web of self, in the web of thanklessness, the web of wandering away from God. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. In the midst of extremity, in the midst of loneliness, in the midst of temptation, in the midst of sin, in the midst of the futility of life, then they cried unto the Lord. It's not hopeless, you see. God gives His solution right here. Cried unto the Lord. Notice to whom the wanderer cries out to, the Lord. The Lord there is in capital letters, calls to mind the name of our covenant-keeping God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord. His faithfulness. That's really what this name refers to. Psalm 107 highlights several things about our faithful Lord. He is good. Several times the psalm reminds us that the goodness of the Lord is that which is in focus here. In verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. In verse 8, we read, O that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. It's the Lord's goodness that is displayed. It's writ large in the redemption of, of sinners, the redemption of wanderers to bring them back to God. He's so good, isn't he? A believer can sing this song, the song of God's goodness. You look back, believer, and you see God's goodness writ large in your life. It's the very goodness of God that brought you to repentance in the first place. It's the goodness of God that sustained you, the goodness of God that brought His temporal blessings upon you, the goodness of God that brought you into union with Jesus Christ, that which you could not do. It is the goodness of God that has done for you in bringing life to a dead soul, bringing your wandering heart back to Himself, giving you a permanence and a foundation that you did not have before. He sees and knows the tendency of your still wandering heart, and he comes to offer himself in the gospel again this morning. God never fails because he's good. His goodness is displayed for us again and again 
and again. At every turn of our lives, His goodness is there. Are we learning to see it? Are we learning to be patient in adversity and thankful in prosperity? His goodness is so unspeakably good. Let's sit around the table this afternoon and think of the ways and speak of the ways in which the Lord has been good to us. Just reading the news this past week. Some people are afraid to go back to their families because of Thanksgiving dinner because of the discussion of politics and the differing views that will be around the table, because of tensions in the family. But here's a better way. You see, Christians are thankful because their thankfulness is rooted in who God is and His goodness. Maybe there are those in your family who are afraid to come to Thanksgiving dinner today but how we can transform our Thanksgiving table today by focusing on the goodness of God. He sees wanderers this morning who have never received rescue. He comes for you in the gospel. It's His goodness that leads to repentance, the Bible says. Don't let His goodness pass you by this morning as if it doesn't matter, because it does. Your life depends on the goodness of the Lord. But He's also merciful. Verse 1 emphasizes this, for His mercy endureth forever. This word mercy is also the word for loving kindness. The end of the chapter in verse 43, the word for covenant faithfulness. You see, there is no God like the God who redeems. He's faithful to the covenant that He's made with His Son to redeem His chosen ones. He is faithful in His redemption and His transformation in the lives of His children to take them from their wandering ways and to bring them into the abundance and the satisfaction that is in Christ. He satisfies our longing souls this morning with His mercy, with His loving kindness. He will not let you go, but He will rescue you again and again, believer. He's the faithful shepherd who captures wandering sheep, takes his crook. He hooks you back in, back to those who are tempted to wander from the fold. Bid you come and lean on His faithfulness, on His mercy. Remember His faithfulness in drawing you back, redeeming you from your wandering ways, and bind your heart closer and closer to Him even today to give Him the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. So we can sing today, a debtor to mercy alone. But what does God do in His goodness and His mercy? If His character forms the, the basis of our thanksgiving this morning, how is that character expressed in His work of redemption. Well, first of all, He redeems the wanderer from the hand of the enemy in verse 2. 
The chains that bind the wanderer are shattered supernaturally. They lie broken on the floor, useless in the face of divine and sovereign power of the Lord's goodness and His mercy. This is God's grace that is able to break the chains of sin, the power of the enemy that holds us. those chains no longer bind you by the grace of God, then this is your confession. This is your song, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. It's in the past tense there, isn't it? Whom He continues to redeem from the hand of the enemy as well. Indeed, let the redeemed of the Lord say so this morning. He redeems from the hand of the enemy. That hand no longer has power over you. It's broken in the work of Christ on the cross. He made a show of principalities and powers openly in the cross. Triumphing over them in the cross. And so we can sing that the Lord has redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. But He also gathers. He gathers the dispersed from every direction in verse 3. Access is open to the tree of life, to Christ this morning, from the east, from the west, from the north, and the south. Distance is no issue for the reach of God's redemption this morning. In His providence, He brings both the good and the bad to teach us That distance is no issue. But He comes and He gathers through the preaching of the Gospel this morning to gather in the lost. To remind His people of where they were once before. Where they might be tempted to go again. He finds wanderers everywhere in the most distant and remote places of the world. The places where your sin has driven you this morning. He knows exactly where you are. That's why He came to Adam and Eve as they hid themselves. And He asked them, where are you? He finds you this morning sunken in the lowest, most depressing and darkest circumstances of life. He gathers such into one body of His church brought back to the place of promise How does He do that? By leaving His own native country of heaven, entering into the hostile lands of the enemy? Christ Himself came to do that for wanderers to restore you and me to the land of promise, to give us a place of residence. Oh, the magnificence of God's redemption. Do you know His drawing power? He's gathering from every tribe and tongue and kindred and nation. This is the the beauty. The beauty of God's gathering work. As we read this psalm, He gathers and draws you again, believer, to give thanks for such redemption. And when the Lord redeems, He leads the wanderer in the right way, as we read in verse 7. 
Here's encouragement for us this morning. He leads us from the desert into the lush lush pastures of His grace. As the wanderer stumbles along, discouraged, parched, and hungry, there is intervention for him. He's able to croak out a cry even in the midst of his distress, and the Lord is able to hear that cry, and He does hear. He hears it immediately. In fact, the structure of the poetry in the Hebrew in verse 6 emphasizes the immediacy of the Lord's redemption in response to the cry of the wanderer. And sometimes we think that the Lord doesn't hear. Sometimes we are tempted to say, does God really hear me? But then let me ask you this question, are we then, are we then dictating to God how He should work? And because He's not doing what we are dictating, do we then conclude that God doesn't answer? God always answers. That's the reality. The reality that's portrayed here is that the moment that a wanderer cries, the Lord delivers. Then they cried unto the Lord in their distresses, and out of their distresses, He delivered them. God's intervention is immediate. It's powerful and effective. The Lord's answer is swift. So let's be careful how we judge the Lord's answer. Let's submit to His way of salvation, not ours. The Lord sends one who entered the waste howling wilderness, challenging and and triumphing over the powers of darkness. Here we come to the, the essence of His deliverance. In Christ, He was parched overcome with weariness and sorrow, to lead wanderers out of the deserts, the waste places of sin. He takes them, gives them Himself to nourish and sustain them, brings them back to the path that He has blazed to the city that is their final refuge. Isaiah 35 gives us a picture of that highway of holiness, the King's highway of holiness, where no fool will err. He leads us back again and again to Himself. He takes from the solitary wilderness and sets the wanderer in the family of God. He takes those who are searching for a city, those who are searching for permanence, even this morning, leads them to Himself. Verse 7, we read, He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. He's blazed a trail for the youngest child, for the simplest in faith to follow a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In His mercy, in His faithfulness, this is who God is and what God does. Surely this is cause for praise and thanksgiving. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. And then in verse 9, we have a summary, a summary and conclusion. Everything that the Lord is, is doing in redemption and providence is condensed in this one statement in verse 9. 
for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. You see, there's no satisfaction in sin or in the world or just in the things that God gives to us. There's only satisfaction in God. Remember what Augustine said. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Thee, O God. How true that is. Reflected here in this psalm. And what does God satisfy us with? With Himself. With Himself. With goodness. The very goodness of who God is is poured into the life and the heart of those whom He redeems. This is the incredible grace of God. So where are you this morning in relation to God and His goodness and His faithfulness and His mercy? Are you thanking Him? Are you praising Him? Are you crying out to Him again for that redemption that you need? Are you crying out for Him? Or are you still wandering aimlessly? Far away from God? Lacking permanence? Looking for a place to settle? Looking to be filled? My friend, don't stuff it with things. Don't be satisfied with the things of Black Friday. Be filled with the things of Good Friday, with Christ Himself. That's where satisfaction is to be found. Have you been brought to your wit's end to cry out to God? Blessed cry that is. Surely He will hear and He will redeem. He is good and He is faithful and He redeems those who cry out to Him this morning when He has performed His work. He then calls us to praise and worship Him. And so the path to thanksgiving comes through consideration of who we are by nature, a wanderer. We don't end there, do we? True thanksgiving comes when we consider who God is for such a wanderer. And it's these twin truths that provide the foundation for our thanksgiving today. Call to the duty of giving gratitude and glory to God. The very first verse of this psalm calls you to worship and praise the Lord who is good and faithful. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for He is good for His mercy endureth forever. Give thanks for His redeeming goodness and enduring mercy. By recounting His redeeming acts, as verse 2 points out, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed. Speak His acts of redemption to your spouse, to your children, to 
your siblings, to your parents, to your fellow believers, to the lost in your immediate spheres of influence. Recount the acts of God's redemption around the table this afternoon. Let that shape your thanksgiving to God, for He's worthy of that thanksgiving. The cure to a thankless heart is to think about God, to think about who He is and to think about what He has done. A student just emailed me last night, and at the end of his email, he wished me a blessed Thanksgiving and included a a quote from Spurgeon that runs something like this, let us think in order to give thanks. Our thinking about who God is leads us to thankfulness for who God is. You see, this is how God receives glory. The world is marked by thanklessness. The the world worships the creature, the thing, rather than the creator, the gift rather than the giver. But the thankfulness as expressed by believers is one of the most powerful apologetics of Christianity, of the faith, of who God is. Because our thankfulness doesn't, is not merely limited to the things themselves. Our, our thankfulness is expanded to include God and who He is. In light of Thanksgiving Day today, one of the best ways that the Lord receives praise and thanksgiving for His goodness and mercy is your living testimony and your witness of His redeeming love. signals not only your ongoing need of grace, but that God has redeemed you and He continues His work of redemption until it's fully and finally complete and you stand before Him fully transformed into the image of Christ, into your heavenly dwelling. And so what's your duty today in light of God's goodness to profess your gratitude to the God who redeems what He has done for you in Christ, what you never could have done for yourself, and how dependent you are still on God. Let's not forget that either. You see, redeemed wanderers ought to be the most grateful people on the planet. That gratitude is reflected not just in what we say, but also by continually crucifying the wandering tendencies of our heart. And so this psalm brings us right back to God, to follow God, to stay close with Him, to walk according to His commandments, to fear Him, to follow His leading in the right way, and not to say, I'm going my own way now. The call to glorify God also comes in verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. There's a contrast built into this verse that we need to understand. There's the Lord on the one hand exalted as the covenant-keeping God. And then there's us, the children of men. That's who we are, the children of men, the children of Adam. Those who are dependent on the Lord. 
We never move beyond that, do we? We're always dependent on God. And so we ought to praise Him. To praise Him. He has created us for His glory. As long as we're not reflecting that glory back to God, we are not living up to what God created us for. And so the work of the Lord's redemption ought to be the subject of our praise. So let's give praise to God today for His goodness. Because He's satisfied our souls. Not merely because of the things He's given us, but because of His providence in the past season. He leads us to consider how that providence has served our redemption from our wandering ways. Rejoice and sing of His redeeming love. Sing with the hymnist that will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross He suffered from the curse to set me free. You see, this is the thanksgiving of a satisfied soul. Satisfied not merely with temporal blessings, but with God Himself. And so in the words of Spurgeon, let us not merely leap in prayer and limp in praise. But as we cry out to God in dependence upon Him, let us also equal that cry of dependence with this, this cry, this song of praise and thanksgiving. For He alone is worthy. To God be all the glory for what He's done for us in providence, what He's done for us in redemption, what He's promised to continue doing for us, even now. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank Thee so much for Thy Word. We thank Thee for Thy redeeming love has redeemed us from our wandering ways. May we offer Thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving today for who Thou art. Lord, since Thou art in the business of saving sinners, of redeeming wanderers, continue that work in our midst to draw in the lost this morning. And as we sit around the table, as those who are thy children recount thy acts of redemption in their lives, thy amazing providence that has led to that redemption, may hearts be stirred to cry out in their distress to the God who hears, to the God who delivers, to the God who redeems. Lord, we pray, bless our time of thanksgiving, bless our time of sitting around the table with family. We pray for those who are lonely, perhaps don't have a place to go today. May they be enfolded into the love and care of the church family. If the church family here would not assume that others will take care of the lonely, but that we'll invite those who are lonely and single and live on their own 
Lord, we pray that today would be a blessed day of reflection of who Thou art. Lord, hear our prayers this morning. Receive our thanks and our praise. For Jesus' sake alone, amen.